Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I have somebody here that can help you move your life forward and kind of break the the chains that bind you from what we call mental prisons. We're stuck, and we don't know why we're stuck. We just want to enjoy life, have fun, be at peace, but those things get in the way. Part of that is emotional regulation. I've heard the term before. I'm not 100% sure what it is. So that's when I'm going to turn to somebody who is an author, a coach, and founder of The Lotus Coach. She's an amazing spiritual life coach. Jenna Lee is back with us. Hi, Jenna. How are you? Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me, and thank you for those kind words. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to have you back here. You you offer so much in an in insight in helping us move our lives forward in all different aspects, even right down to spirituality. We've talked about that before, and of course, coaching. So emotional regulation. I have an idea of what that is, but I'm not 100% sure. So what is it? Uh-huh. Yeah, so, um, you know, we go through life, and we can't always be happy all the time. So sometimes, like, things come up, like anxiety, depression, stress, and a lot of people don't know how to cope with those emotions, especially very strong emotions that are negative. And, you know, they can turn to, like, distractions or alcohol or, like, you know, whatever else there is. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just want to talk about it because I think it's, it's such an important topic that doesn't get talked about in society enough. And when we talk about emotional regulation. Is that us keeping our emotions in check so that, uh, you know, better, better outcome things, life is a little bit better. Uh, basically, I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm picturing boundaries on our emotions. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really good way of putting it. Cause I feel like that's what people think of when they think of emotional regulation, like kind of having control of our emotions. But the thing about emotions is it's like, the ocean is uncontrollable sometimes. And the idea that we need to control it, that's part of the problem. So when something, you know, comes up, then often people want to, like, press it down or, like, suppress it. Um, And this is why we turn to distractions or we make a story about it. Like, when, when an emotion especially becomes overwhelming in childhood, we often attach a story to it instead of being able to process it because we, we're not, like, aware enough in childhood to be able to process emotions properly. So usually we come up with a story like, oh, like, people are, you know, I can't trust people, for example, or, like, people are all bad or, like, you know, some kind of story that we attach to cope with that emotion. But see, like the story and also trying to suppress the emotion, neither of those work. It doesn't work because why? Um, Because the emotion is still there. It's just beneath the level of consciousness now. It's like gone subconscious. Oh, okay. I get where you're going with that. Okay, so we've Mm. been able to suppress the feeling even Mm. though it's still there. And when it's still there subconsciously it's still going to wreak havoc. You're still going to have challenges with it. Um, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Is that also some people, let's say, get to the point, you know, where they've gone through some trauma, some pain, 
Um, now, in relationships where if somebody isn't serving them well, they just shut that person off. That's it. I'm not dealing with them anymore. Um, and and it's almost as if they um, they they toss them out of their lives in some regard. They yes. may still be in their lives, but emotionally completely disconnected. Is it kind of the same thing? Yes, yes, that is very similar. It's like because, you know, we don't want to be hurt again and we perceive that this person is like hurting me and we don't know how to deal with it through communication and also processing our emotions. So instead of repairing the relationship, we often just cut it off. Yeah. Especially in America, I've noticed. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I think uh-huh. more people are getting better at doing that. I'm not saying it's a good thing. Um, but it's, we don't want to deal with it. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, to right. some, I understand it to some extent. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I want to be clear, like sometimes cutting someone out is the right step. Sure. But I think, I think we're too trigger happy. And, you know, sometimes things can be repaired. It's just that we don't have the skills. And so we just go to cutting people out. And yeah. So, like, if there's, if there's abuse or if someone is, like, attacking us, like, verbally or emotionally, like, then, of course. But if it's something small, it can be dealt with. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. for a lot of us. So the, right. the emotional regulation, um, that can be intentionally done, yes? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I want to talk about, like, um, how to regulate emotionally because uh, there's, like, a step-by-step that I've kind of done in my life. Um, And the first step is just to become aware of the emotion. And I think a lot of people don't do this because they feel like if they start to become aware, they won't really know what to do with it. So then awareness is the first step. And then the second step is having radical acceptance of whatever emotion is coming up. So instead of saying like some emotions are acceptable and other emotions are not acceptable, which is what we are probably taught in childhood, um, just radically accept whatever is coming up. Like don't judge what's happening on the inside. And the way to do that is to understand we are not our emotions. We're the organism in which the emotions are happening. So a lot of times we're so identified with the emotional state that we judge ourselves. And we're like, oh, like the fact that I'm angry or like feeling this way, it means something about myself, negative. And we have to understand like emotions just come like storms and like thoughts even come like, you know, Like, our brain is like a radio antenna. Sometimes thoughts just come, and we have no control over that. So just, you know, it's important to give ourselves a break and be like, this doesn't say anything about me. Just accept it. And then in that acceptance, actually, a lot of that emotion um, becomes dislodged, and we're more able to let it go. How do you mean dislodged? So it's our resistance towards our emotions that keep them kind of stuck in our body. So if we stop resisting the emotion and we become aware of it and we just are sitting with it, um, then eventually that emotion will dissipate. 
Okay, that sounds interesting. I want to make sure that we all fully understand that. So let's say we have a certain emotion. Mm-hmm. And it just it's it's within us. It's it's part of us. How do we get to purge it and uh, and and move past it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like uh, we have to look at the emotion, and then we have to accept whatever emotion comes up. Doesn't mean anything bad about ourselves. Mm. And in that acceptance, which is kind of like a like an understanding, you know, it's it's like it is a form of self love having that radical acceptance for ourselves, in that self-love, that emotion will play itself out. And if we just watch it, don't do anything about it, just watch it as it plays itself out, then eventually all emotions dissipate. Is that is that really true? Yes, yes. I mean, nothing's forever. So, so you know, like uh, anxiety, depression, like... Those things might take longer, but, you know, if we do some awareness of our emotions daily, then eventually it will dissipate. Wow. Wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, definitely impactful uh, for a lot of us that are dealing, you know, with some challenges. How do you, I want to go, I want to get into the process of that. How does that actually work? Let's say... I'm going to just get hypothetical here, Jenna. How about um, how about abandonment? You know, let's say uh, somebody mm-hmm. left you in a relationship, and now you're sitting with that, and and you're afraid to maybe even be alone, and uh, you know, all of that comes with it. You're dealing with that. How how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's such a great question. Oh my gosh. Actually, I have to say, I also. Um, my my book, Heavenly Creatures, it deals with that fear of abandonment because I've also experienced that in my life. Oh wow! And I won't like I won't even say I'm completely over it. Like there's still vestiges in there, but um, what happens is that when we are aware of that fear and we just sit with it without like trying to get away from it, then if we sit with it long enough. Um, that fear of abandonment will have some information inside. So all emotions are are kind of information, but because we don't look at them, we are not able to take that information out of the emotion. So, for example, if I'm looking at the fear of abandonment, probably something from childhood will come up, mm-hmm. right? Um, because usually in our relationships, well, some people do get that fear from, you know, an important relationship, right? But most of the time when it's very strong, it is from childhood. Right. And, yeah, and we can ask ourselves, is this from my mom's side or my dad's side? And when you can pinpoint it, like, for example, like in my family, it's, well, you know, both my parents deal with something. So it's in different ways, right? So, so actually, I, I will just say, like, what it is. So um, on my dad's side, um, he has, like, a fear of abandonment from both parents. And it is because he had to fend for himself from a very early age. And he kind of passed that on to me. And then on my mom's side as well, you know, there's some neglect there. So then... That was also passed on to me. But it's very impersonal, actually, those emotions that were passed down. 
And when I can sit with those emotions in myself and just allow them to be and just be compassionate for myself, then I begin to heal my family. I love what we're talking about here. And I have to tell you, it's coming crystal clear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it really so is. Glad. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Um, it le- I'm just using the, the fear of abandonment as a, an example. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with that, you don't want to deal with that. So you find other ways. Let's say you go hang out with some friends. You go here, you do that. You keep yourself busy and never stop because you don't right. want to sit with it. But the best thing you can do is sit with it because you're going to find clues that can help you navigate it even better, become an even better person. Um, but also at the same time, you realize that, hey, I'm I'm good alone sometimes. That's okay. So yeah, um, it, it's, we don't want to face it. I think that's a lot what it is. Yes. Yes. And, but the thing is like what I'm talking about now is like, you know, it's, it's a universal thing, not wanting to face it, but if we can face those emotions inside ourselves and process them, we can actually start showing up in the world as a more compassionate presence as well. And, you know, when we deal with that fear of abandonment in ourselves, then we are no longer going to be um, inflicting that on others, first of all. And then also when we come upon others with that same fear of abandonment, we will know how to deal with them and how to deal with their emotion when it comes up. Yeah, that's. Uh, it seems simple, but we don't do it. Because we run from mm-hmm. it. We run from everything, whatever the emotion is. Um, even dealing with somebody right. that may have hurt us, we, we, we just go the other way because we don't want to face it. Yes, yes. I mean, if someone has hurt us, we're not obligated to stay with them, you know. It, it, that's completely fine that we cut off people who hurt us. Um, I just want to be clear. Um, but what I mean by, like, you know, not getting too trigger happy with the cutting people off is, mm-hmm. like, if we had one argument and, you know, you you like that friend and they just said something to you and then we can we can try to go to them and be like, you know, when you said this thing, that was very hurtful. And depending on how they react to that, I think we should decide whether to cut them out or not. Hmm. Like if they're able to take accountability, that's fine. Then that relationship is good. But if they're extremely defensive and like won't really take that responsibility. Yeah. Like they're not even that, trying. Like they're not even trying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I'd say like cut away. Like <laughs> go ahead. Your mental health is important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's also depends on what they did to you. And that's, you know, we got to take that into consideration. I had yeah. a, um, a long time friend. Yeah, since we were junior high school, um, mm-hmm. and he he did he made he made a decision that um, wasn't in my best interest at all. Um, pretty surprising. Uh, I was surprised, but I have to tell you, he made good on the whole situation, and um, and we're we're good now. I will be honest with you. He was a little mm-hmm. dishonest, um, so it, my radar is up. Even though he's, you know, one of my best friends, my radar is up a little bit. But 
he's he's taken those steps to make things better and went above and beyond i believe um so just what you said you know you'll know if they if they're really making making a genuine effort to uh to make it right right yeah yeah and and i have a similar um situation actually with um my oldest friend and we were in college and so it was a case of me not understanding what she needed to feel loved and you know, she acting out based on my actions against me and that it was like a miscommunication. Mm. And then we were able to work through that and I realized, like, oh, like, I need to be quieter when I walk into the house because, like, um, when she's napping or something, like, and I walk in and I'm, like, super loud, she takes that as, like, I don't care about her. And so people can take things in totally different ways because, like, that's not what I meant at all. Um, and then we were able to talk through that. And then, you know, based on that, like, because she thought I didn't care about her, she would, you know, take some shots at me, like, you know. <laughs> and then I was hurt because of that. So there was a whole thing. But we are still very good friends. Uh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? If, if it's meant to be, I believe it's going to be. And mm-hmm. friends are friends, you know. And that's how you weed them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it takes those situations to realize that this really isn't the the friend they thought they were. Okay. Well, they and I've had I've met a lot of new friends in my journey in the last two years. Call it even three. Um, some are no longer in my life because <laughs> they just it didn't work. It didn't serve. But then there's others that it, it they they are and they're fantastic. Even saw some of them last night and everything you know is good because you support each other. You know we're in a group. We're in a group text. We always, you know, share things and somebody's got a question or a problem, wants an opinion, you know, we call on them as well. So, yeah, um, the emotional regulation, uh, I think, is key. But do you feel that a lot of us don't even do it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And is that something that you can help people with? Yes, actually, I found this is the key thing that I helped with um, in coaching. So, there's a saying that we can only be coached for as much as we have been coached. And I, you know, I was very lucky to have a spiritual mentor who was incredibly accepting, incredibly loving. And no matter what I told her about, you know, um, all kinds of distress that I was in, she was just so loving. And from that relationship of, like, mentor-mentee, I learned to be loving to myself. And in turn, in coaching, that's kind of how I'm able to coach people is um, just sit with them during their difficult emotions or like when difficult past things come up. Um, But of course, I do have to put the caveat that coaching is not therapy. Um, Although I would say like, I'm kind of on the cusp of spirituality and coaching, so it's a little different. But um, so if someone was dealing with very strong, like, depression, anxiety, like, things that you would need medication for, then I would refer out to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's important to know. But other things, like, when we're, you know, moving towards our goals, and often some subconscious limiting beliefs come up. That's when I can sit with the person and really just allow them 
to be without judging. And that is what's so powerful because the witnessing without judging, that's, that's where change happens. You know, that's so important because you, you, you can't judge. It's somebody else's life. You know, it's important to them. Maybe you're not seeing it, but again, it's important to them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and so what I mean by judging is like, uh, you know, when things like, like shame come up, like, often we judge ourselves for that, but it is, you know, it is a learned behavior to not judge that because often the person who is experiencing the shame is judging themselves. Yeah, so, so that's what I mean by that. It's, it's um, you know, when the person is not judging themselves, it's very easy not to judge them as well, but... When there is that element of judgment present uh, in the person, that that's when you really need to take a step back and just allow the space. And you offer a, a free consult, right? Yes. Uh-huh. I, I offer a 30-minute consult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have to imagine that um, you can, in that time, pretty much figure out what somebody's dealing with, what they're going through. Yes, I can. But um, the person has to come and be sincere. So, so that is the caveat is like a lot of people, they have a lot of defense mechanisms mm. and it takes some digging to get to the real root of why they came. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it goes back to, uh, and it's, this has been said many times before, you, you can't help those who don't truly want to be helped. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard to receive help. Because I think, you know, we, we all want to help others. But it's hard to receive that because it takes a lot of sincerity and vulnerability and humility to be able to, to take help from someone. Hmm. You know, I never, I never thought of it that way, where um, it's that moment where you realize that I, I need some help. There's nothing wrong with that, but a lot of us, uh, especially, I think, in this culture, are afraid to admit that, uh, well, I, I've got something going on here. I need some help for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like, I mean, America, like, the society doesn't make it easy. Like, hustle culture and, like, right. we're constantly told, like, we have to have, like, money or status or success. And that's not a very, like, vulnerable environment to live in for sure yes and we're in the, in this culture not we don't express the way they do in other cultures i mean it was even you know uh, 10 years ago you said the words mental health and people got an, an image of hmm all right somebody had a little problem there <laughs> and it's like come on right. other cultures that's normal to talk about your feelings it's okay but fortunately nowadays we're okay here now saying that yeah hey i have a life coach or hey i'm gonna go talk to my therapist later today um which is great we're fine we're we're t- we're, we're getting there slowly but we're, we're getting there um jenna your website can you please share it with us yeah it's JennaLotus.com, J-E-N-N-A-L-O-T-U-S.com. And you can book that 30-minute consult through my site. Fantastic, yeah. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a free consult. And uh, even in the 30, sec- 30 minutes, maybe you'll learn something about yourself. I learned a lot today in what you said, Jenna, in okay. that confront what you're dealing with, sit with it for a while, and you'll see it from a different way. Um, mm-hmm. 
and understand things, get a little more clarity uh, because we run from our problems, um, which I think is, you know, again, society here. But uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.